Father, as we're about to bust into your word, man, I am so fired up. I got to redeem this time. So, Lord, just expedite these moments that we have together here. And we lift your name high. In Jesus' name, amen. On the way down, fist bump someone and say, Go Bears, and then have a seat. One of the craziest verses in the scriptures is crazy awesome. In Matthew 11, verse 12, For the days of John the Baptist until now, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Some hear that and they think maybe it's a call for Christian nationalism. No. But it's reflective in the original language of people who had a boiling passion for the things that were spoken, the words that were coming from Jesus. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, speak of all the upheaval and the dust that was raised because of the preaching of John the Baptist and then the coming of Jesus Christ. It's a graphic picture of enthusiasm and excitement. And the enthusiasm and excitement didn't end. In Luke 5, we find that there were some that were so fired up about hearing what Jesus had to say that they ripped the roof off of a home. Now, that's some excitement. We also find that they wanted to put Jesus up by force as king. That's some excitement. Biblical Christianity is not dispassionate. Biblical Christianity gets you as fired up as Soldier Field Monday Night Football or beyond. Often say that a three-pointer and a buzzer and the kind of emotion that that evokes in you, you need to be praying and asking God, God, why does my passion not parallel a three-pointer at the buzzer? I mean, something has to be cooking there. Now, I want to tell you, I believe that we're in one of the greatest spiritual wars going in this world today, and that Satan is real, his demons are real, and they're trying to throttle or hold back what God wants to boil inside of us. But make no mistake about it, the prevailing church that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 16 when he said, you are Peter, he said, you are Petros, pebble, and upon this rock, Petra... I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The picture that's being painted is gates of hell out here, church moving, moving, moving. God wants you moving. He wants me moving. Taken hold of, excited about the things of God. But that's his work that is done in us. The prevailing church is rambunctious. Love that word. Zealous resolute people of God who are resolved that God alone can turn around their lives, their families, and this world. We're in a series called New Ground. And in this series, we're, we're watching the principles out of the book of Joshua help us take hold of God's promises and enemies all around us. And they're everywhere. Let me tell you about a guy. Printer, Writer, author, inventor. Might start figuring out who he is. 
He had a kite. He had string. He had a key. That wasn't the only thing he did. He just didn't prove that that flashes of light up there were electricity. He invented bifocals. Thank you, my man. He invented the Franklin stove and hundreds of other inventions. He was the oldest signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was an awful dad. He was a worse husband. And he was a pretty good granddad. Making up for the former two. Benjamin Franklin's greatest contribution to America is little known, and I haven't given it to you yet. He was the X factor in the Revolutionary War. How does it go? 1776, George Washington is fighting and losing. Benjamin Franklin was dispatched to Paris. They said, get on a boat and go. Month-long journey across the Atlantic. Landed in Paris, and he began to use his celebrity to do something that too few people really understand the power of today. Benjamin Franklin was the man when he landed in Paris. They stamped coins with his face on it. He was incredibly popular. But he began to schmooze and kind of angle with all the elites and government officials. And he was set on one thing. They needed money. They needed men. They needed ships. Or there was no revolution. George Washington was not going to win the war. It was lost. When he had sailed away, it was done. All the British soldiers were absolutely wiping out Washington and all the forces. So he began to work. Nine years Benjamin Franklin spent in France. And he began to work with all the leadership of that country, the kings and all the ambassadors, to leverage the French's hatred for England to come join the rebels in the war to drive them out of this new country we call the United States of America. Nine years, and they came by the thousands. In modern day, possibly one to two billion dollars of French treasury was absolutely vacated. Cannons, guns, artillery, ships, Thousands of men. It came to the point when they were near Chesapeake Bay in one of the biggest battles, it's the Battle of the Capes, was unfolding. George Washington forged a relationship with a guy named Jean Baptiste. And in that relationship with Jean Baptiste, even though they didn't speak the same language, they were knit together at heart. Jean Baptiste brought a flotilla of French ships into the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay. They cordoned off General Cornwallis with 8,000 British troops. As those rebel troops began to take on those troops, 
They knew that the only thing they could do to ultimately win was to cut off Chesapeake Bay. And there was Jean Baptiste with his flotilla and thousands of sailors ready to cut them off, decimated Cornwallis. And on that day, the entire war turned. Benjamin Franklin's greatest contribution to the United States of America was building a bridge with France to totally loot their treasury. It left them broke. Left them broke. They got their victory over the Brits, who they hated. And we got our land free of taxation for a while. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't in my notes here. You're in a war. I need you to hear me. I need everyone in this room listening right now. You're in a war. You're in a war for your life. And there are strategies of war that we must live out if we're going to get victory. How real is this war? Let me just read you something here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And let me be candid. Knowing there's a war is important. But knowing strategies to win those battles of war is critical. This morning, I am going to give you four strategies to win any battle you face. I promise you, I can deliver on that. God's word is clear. You are in battles constantly. We'll unpack some of those battles, but there's battles to keep marriages intimate. Men, we're great hunters. We're very poor at caretaking. Boy, we know how to schmooze and put it on. We can, like hunters, go out in the field and grab our prey, throw it over our shoulder, but boy, when we get home, we don't know what to do. God gives us a battle plan. For every calling that you have in your life, God has given us a battle plan. And these four strategies I'm going to give you today, I promise you, you can take to the spiritual bank and God will show up in power. In Joshua chapter 5, if you're following along, I'm going to hit some high points of an epic battle. And it begins with the narrative that captures the heart of Joshua as he's about to go into Jericho. Verse 13 of chapter 5, I read, you follow along. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of discussion about who this man was. Some think it was an angel. Some say it was God himself. Others say it was the pre-incarnate Christ. I lean toward this is Jesus before he came in the flesh. But this is clearly a messenger from God, as you will see. So, he says, this is a quote. Joshua says to this angel, I'd say the same thing, by the way, wouldn't you? Are you for us? Or for our adversaries. <laughs> and he said, no. Watch this. 
but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. That's all he said. Joshua's response. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army, I believe Jesus himself, said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Oh, yeah. Four strategies to win any battle you face. This first one is the linchpin. This one, we've got to get from the jump. It can be applied to your life today. You can take this home today, and here it is right now. Never worry about who's for you or against you. Focus on the God who called you. I know the tendency. Look, I'm a type A personality. Everybody think, oh, Carl, man, he kicks booty and takes names. He just does that. He's loud. He's outgoing. I can get weak in the knees with the best of anyone. It's a battle out there, man. I have all kinds of forces in the middle of the night to come and harass me and attack me, just like you. And by the way, if Satan isn't bothering you, you aren't bothering Satan, so we got to do something about that. But to take hold of forcefully this kingdom, this new ground, this new land, we got to understand this strategy is first and foremost. And if we don't get this one, leave the rest behind. We either get this one or shine the rest. Forget them. Never worry about who's for you and against you. Focus on God who called you. This is the essential strategy. Can I pour out my heart to you? The surest way and factor, the surest factor to winning any battle you'll face is the calling of God on your life. And I need you to hear me right now. This is a critical moment. Some of you have never imagined that God may have a calling on your life. You are dead wrong. He does. Even those that are far from God, when they were knit together in the mother's womb, God had a plan that was much different than the life that they're living out. And you might be far from God right now, or you've wandered away from God right now. I'm telling you today, today you can come back. Don't play church, man. We're going to play church. I'm out of here. I got fishing to do. I got snowmobiling to do. I got football games to watch. If we aren't taking ground and watching God do something radical in our life, why? Because we're called. Focus on God's calling on your life. But the only battles that are winnable are those that God called you into. I need you to hear every word I'm going to say here for the next couple of moments. Some battles should never be fought because God didn't call you into them. Stay away from battles you haven't been called to by God. Don't go near them. And you're probably saying, well, if calling is everything, 
How can I know God's calling? I'm going to give you three. They aren't even going to be on the screen. I'm going to give you three simple take-to-the-spiritual-bank strategies to know God's calling on your life today. Number one, God's calling will always stretch you, it will shape you, and it will grow you. Yes, God's calling will be painful. I've never met anyone that was called by God that didn't get stretched, tweaked, grown, something like that. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be beautiful. So that's just a given. Number one, you'll know when you've got God's calling when it's beyond you. It's bigger than you. I can't do it. That's great territory to be in. I lived there my whole life. I wake up in the morning. Quite candidly, I have a deep sense in my heart. I can't do it. But God. Second thing. This is just three elements of each person's calling. Second thing. It will flow from your passion and gifting. You know what some people think? They don't want to go all in with God because they're afraid that God's going to make them into some cosmic weirdo. You're going to think God's going to call you to do something that is totally disjointed from some of the stuff that's boiling in your heart. I think that's utterly fallacious. When you were knit together in your mother's womb, all the days that were ordained for you were being mapped out before there was one. And I believe that God clearly puts in all of us a unique passion. And according to Ephesians 3, if you are born again, when Jesus ascended, he took captives captive and he scattered spiritual gifts to man. And I am convinced of this. When you bring together a lethal combination of your unique passion with God's unique gifting on your life, that is a lethal combo, baby. Oh, my goodness. It's more than just getting a job. It's a calling. And it's beautiful. Then pretty quick, you aren't living the life that your mom and dad wanted you to live or the Christian culture that you live in thinks that you need to be living. You're living God's calling on your life. But there's another element of each person's calling. It will be affirmed by others. This is super subplot here. I didn't even plan on putting this in until yesterday late afternoon. These three essentials of knowing your calling are critical. It's going to be hurtful. It's going to be a combination of gifting and passion. And it's going to be confirmed and affirmed by other people. It's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. How do I know this? John the Baptist affirmed Jesus. Jesus affirmed Paul. Paul affirmed Timothy. It goes on and on. I've never known one time in my life where someone who was used of God with a clear direction for their life didn't have this combination of, whoo, this hurts. I got to lean into God. Whoo, this is thrilling. It's using my gifting, and it's using that passion that God uniquely put in my heart when I was in mama's womb. And it's always affirmed by others. This is why the body of Christ is so important. We look at one another, and we affirm one another like crazy. I've benefited from that. You can too. Now I want to illustrate this in a weird way. Let me preempt my message with a brand new illustration that God gave me last night. 
I'm watching the Heisman. I'm watching four candidates for the Heisman. Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr., Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels. I made a few observations. Ready for one? All of them had a dad active and present in their life. That's for free today. All of them. They, sit, they sat right there. Their dads are there. Dads, I'm going to throw this in right now. Dads, never underestimate the power of your words to pump up your kids. My goodness, dads. Early in January, we're going to have a men's event that I'm going to be co-teaching with Gary Rosberg. I haven't told him yet, except right now he's sitting right back there. I've never done that before in my life, but I just announced a speaker, and he didn't know it until today. Men, our masculinity's been stripped away. The world's saying nuclear family's dead. No, it's not. It's still the answer, man, and we need men to rise up and be men. Ladies, give me a hoorah. See, there's men right there. So Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr., Michael Penix Jr., and Jaden Daniels. You know what else I noticed? You ready for this one? This is a cool common thread. They are all radically committed Jesus followers. Oh, yeah. These guys aren't all like touchdown Jesus, like, I give God glory. Anybody can say that. They were definitive. I give God glory and praise and praise to my Lord Jesus Christ for all that he has done in my life, the gifts that he's given me, almost all four of them said variations of the same exact thing, and they put it at the front end of what they were saying. Woo! You know what else they said? All four of these young men. They said, there comes a time in your life playing ball when you have to shut out the noise and you got to focus on your calling. And I thought, young men, you are illustrating the life of Joshua who was facing a big battle. When you focus on God's call, not who's for you, not who's against you, but the call of God on your life. You know what happens? It's like putting noise-canceling headphones on your head. Is there going to be noise? Yes, there's going to be noise. Are there going to be fans? Yes, there's going to be fans. Until you throw three interceptions, then the next week they're haters. So you better focus on the calling of God. When your enemies are many and your allies are few, it's God's calling that will really carry you. I need you to hear my heart here a second, guys. I wish so badly I could just grab you and shake you and tell you God has a calling for you. He's got a calling for you. A unique calling. 
don't ignore it. Don't let, don't let the pressures of, and I, yeah, I got to tell you one of the saddest things I ever had in my life was a man who told me I let my dad talk me out of my calling when I was in college and I've lived 30 plus years to pick and regret it. Don't do it, guys. So that's job one. Never worry about who's for you and against you. Focus on who called you and he has a calling. We go on in the story to Joshua 6, verses 1 through 5. This is a wing-dinger of a story. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. They were scared to death. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Now, the men of valor, the warriors here, we're talking 40,000 guys. Okay? But look here in verse 4. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets and when they make a long blast with the ram's horns when you hear the sound of the trumpet then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everyone straight before him it's an interesting study of this i don't have time to get into it but the, all the walls of jericho did not fall down i know what some of us got taught many years ago but they didn't but the big, massive frontal portion of Jericho fell down. One big wall fell down. That's what the Hebrew text says. That big front wall. So they're standing there shouting, and I got to believe they're thinking, wow, those 40,000 voices got some power. But God had all the power. Here's the point from this little passage, this little story. Because it goes on that this whole thing, it went down. The whole rest of that chapter is how it went down. But here's the point. you got to get it today. Second strategy. Follow the plan God gives you no matter how unorthodox and impossible it may seem. Do it. No matter how unorthodox or impossible it may seem to you. Do it. Do it. So I'm going to go to you men again, warming you up for when me and Gary are speaking to you. Right, Gary? <laughs> One calling of every man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Every man. You don't have to wonder about your calling. You marry that woman? Woo! I saw him. One man right now did a very wise thing. He just slipped his arm around his wife right now in here. That was very good. <laughs> You are called to love your woman. Went to my wife on one anniversary. I think it was our eighth anniversary. Going to be Mr. Creative Carl here. A couple of weeks before, I said, baby, I want you to think of what you would love for our anniversary. I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. Come back to me with what God's showing you. She said, okay, bub. She calls me bub. I'll do that. I said, great. A couple of days before anniversary, had some time together. I said, Jubes. I call her Jubes as well. 
I said, Jubes, what are you thinking? She said, I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I said, great, what do you got? She said, I know what I want for our anniversary, bub. I want us to turn off the TV for a full year and never turn it on. And I said, has God shown you anything else? And she just looked at me and goes, no. He's only shown me no TV for a year. Now, I've never been a sitcom guy. I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Don't moan for me, but I never have. I, I, I'm just not that guy. But I'm a sports nutcase, and I can watch the same breaking news story on four networks and three cable channels. <laughs> I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I love this woman. We're going to do it. I will confess to you, I was not a big TV watcher, but I was shaken for a couple of weeks. It was weird. I'd come home. I walk into the living room. It's like, oops, walk away. It's unplugged. It's incapable of coming on. And I had the shakes. I started to pray, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord started doing things. I started getting creative because I said, what about instead of this turning in, what about me taking our son who was a budding basketball player who was very good? I said, what if we, what if I take him down to like sports bars and we have events around things? She goes, that's a great idea. So I'd take my son. I go, son, because you don't want to get kids freaked out or thinking you're a weirdo because of something God called you to do. And God can let you do both. I said, Cabin, jump in the car, man. We're going to go watch that Lakers game that you want to see so bad. He said, really, Dad? I said, yeah, and we're going to have pizza. He said, oh, Dad. <laughs> oh, Dad. So we go down to the sports bar. We're in Little Rock, Arkansas. We sit down. We got a twofer. I didn't even know it. We're watching the game, and, and we're watching people get drunk. So I'm able to say to him, in this great game great? And that's why you don't want to get drunk. Look at that idiot right over there. See him, son? It was awesome. After one year, God had graciously revealed to me that I was wasting too much time watching news, too much time watching sports. And God used that one year of no TV to condition my watching habits to this day. All because I was called to be a leading, loving servant to my bride, and I dared to ask her, what do you want for anniversary? <laughs> Joshua 6. Verse 22 through 25, and I'm going to fly on these last couple points here, guys, so listen close. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, this is after the walls are coming down, look at this, go into the prostitute's house, this is Rahab, and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. 
So the young man who had been spies went out in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her, and they brought her and the relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel, and they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord, but Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. Here's the third strategy. Finish the plan God gives you. Don't just follow it. Finish it. Finish the plan God gives you. Don't forget the righteous and leave them behind. Don't forget the righteous. Don't forget the innocence. Don't be so fixated on the plan that you're going after that you leave ones that you love or are called to love behind. I was with Greg in Alaska and we saw God moving in power. We had so many people coming to church. It was crazy. He reminded me yesterday again that we had two services on Saturday night in a gym, and then we had to have so many, we had services then on Sunday at 9, 11, 1, 3, and 5. He said seven services over the weekend. And God was moving in power. While God's moving, as a pastor, one of the great baits of Satan is to get you so fixated on that stuff that you don't have time to care for what really matters. woman walks up to me that I remembered when I was this tall. She walks up. Pastor Carl. About 80 years old. Pastor Carl, could I talk to you? I said, yeah, Florence, Florence Dahl. Pastor Carl, we have a lot of widows in our church. And I think they've got a lot more in them. Would you mind if I led a ministry to the widows. I said, well, Florence, that's a great idea. She says, I got a name. I said, well, what's the name? Winsome Widows. I said, that's a great name, Florence. They started meeting. Pretty quick, 40 widows are meeting together. They're studying the word. They're sown Afghans. They're giving them to people that are getting cancer treatment in the church. They're praying over chairs before services. One day I was given an Afghan. I came home and I told my bride, I said, as I'm pulling it up over me, this winsome widow's ministry is really nice. She's gone on to her reward. But she steams strong to the end, and I can claim nothing except that the Holy Spirit stopped me long enough in this firefight of calling to listen to Florence Dahl. I love you with the love of Christ.
yesterday we had a meeting in here it's called discovery here's a picture of some folks right here some of you are sitting here today they're brand new to the family we're going to have another discovery we're going to have a brand new discovery in early January we don't know the date yet but we're going to have it we're going to have to work it around this men's thing that Gary's just talked me into But we're going we're gonna to have another discovery, and, and here's what I want to tell you, and I'm going to be bold. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. But I'm old enough, and I've learned through the school of hard knocks that we are the body of Christ. We need each other, and I promise you no one's going to be left behind in this church if we can do anything. Then out of nowhere, Joshua has a setback. Just going to go conquer a little city called Ai. Spies came back and said, ain't a big deal. Send two, three thousand guys. Leave 30 plus behind. They sent up 3,000. They got their booties kicked. 36 men perish as they ran from Ai. What's going on? I'll show you. Joshua 7, verse 10 through 13, look it. Then the Lord said to Joshua, get up. See, this isn't the strong and courageous talk from God now. Now he's saying, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up. Said it again. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Then they went up to Ai. After they found silver and gold under Achan's tent. He said, Achan, come on. You, your wives, kids, belongings, tents, everything. You're, you're bounced from God's calling. Man. It's brutal. It's hard. But here's the principle. No, here's the strategy. When you have a setback... When you have a setback, don't let it defeat you. Ask God what went wrong. 
get up, fix it, and go again. That's it. When you have a setback, don't let it defeat you. Ask God, what went wrong? Get up, fix it, go again. It's right here in the Word. You ever had a setback? I have. I have one that almost took my soul out from under me. When you have a setback, you've got to do a thorough analysis of your soul and say, Oh God, with David, search me, know me, try me, see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's the only wise way to go. Do you know how easy it is to do the blame game in our culture today? It's everyone else's problem. Stop it. God's calling is worth you looking in the mirror and going, what about me? And I had to do that. But it was so devastating that I had one friend called me up about two years after the crush blow hit really hard, and he said, I didn't know if you were going to make it. He said, I got something in the mail I'm sending you. And he sent me this. It's a beautiful painting. It's called Circuit Rider. Painted by Kenneth Wyatt. And on the back of this, my dear friend Tim Kimmel wrote, Carl, this painting of Circuit Rider reminds me so much of what guys like you and me are called to do, called to do. This preacher with his seasoned horse and well-worn Bible stands there gazing down at the village in the distance. I picture him humbly praying for the people he'll get to encourage, the ones he'll have to call out on their sin, the couples he'll marry, and the belated graveside eulogies he'll deliver. He rides to the next rendezvous, stirred bond by a clear calling, deep convictions, uncompromised obedience to his Savior, and unquenchable love for the people he'll find waiting for him. Be strong, Carl. Gracious, determined, and courageous. I love you, Tim Kimmel. everything that's inside me I'm gonna by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of angelic forces we're gonna pray God to move land and sea to see a body of Christ here at 180 where every person knows their calling and you know how to get through the battles too I got a turning point for you today. Got a turning point for you. Determining the calling of God on your life, go win some battles. 
determine it. Some of you might need to sit down today and spend some time with God and really do some business with Him about, do I know my calling? Have I walked away from it? Have I taken hold of it? Am I missing it? What's going on, God? Determine the calling of God on your life. And let's go. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are here. That you're moving. That you're changing lives. I thank you for your promise that you showed me even this morning when I was driving here that your spirit was going to be working here today. You did, didn't you, God? You did, didn't you, God? And I so thank you for every man and woman here. Oh, God, please, let us not turn away from the beautiful voice of God that says, here is your calling. Come walk in it. thanks just keep your eyes closed just sing a chorus over them here God who gives you calling and today gave you strategy may that God be with you today in power to him be glory in all things have a great day I love you